Christmas pudding, Christmas pudding, nice and hot, nice and hot, sprinkle on the sugar. Hello, and welcome to the Pudding Club. A few thoughts on that most festive affair, the Christmas pudding. How it came to be what it is today, its shape, ingredients, various names, and why Oliver Cromwell banned it. For me, the preparation, making and eating of Christmas pudding has been a part of my life as long as I can remember, alongside my mum for decades, making the same recipe which her mother had handed down to her. Sadly, I lost my mum over a year back. But happily, I had the foresight to record perhaps one of the last of the 50-odd pudding-making sessions I must have enjoyed with her over the years. Without further ado, to the pudding kitchen. quintessential elements of the Christmas table, namely, of course, the Christmas pudding. And I know there are lots of supermarkets who offer various splendiferous puddings these days, from the traditional right the way through to the very trendy Heston Blumenthal puddings now, complete with a, a live duck or long tail or hippopotamus or whatever the case may be inside. Something usual. Orange, I think it was last year. I uh, haven't checked it out this year. However, we are going to be making a traditional Christmas pudding, uh, which is why you can hear some of the sounds of industry in the background. We have a bowl, which is, as you can hear, large stainless steel and the size of a, a NASA satellite dish, into which we have already a substantial selection of uh, dried fruits, which is uh, the basis of any really good Christmas pudding. And I've run down, this is the recipe we'll be using this year, a pound of currants, I say this year, every year, a pound of currants, a pound of sultanas, a pound of raisins, a pound of shredded suet, yeah, it's not necessarily one for the Weight Watchers, but do remember this is going to feed quite a few people, uh, not each, I hasten to add, a pound of breadcrumbs, which we're going to be making in a minute, fresh breadcrumbs, 12 ounces of soft dark brown sugar, six fresh eggs, everything good, some stout, um, and the good thing is it doesn't usually take the entire tin of Guinness, so if you're not driving, you can finish that off. Um, some and other stouts are available. Eight ounces of self-raising flour. A um, little bit of nutmeg. One and a half teaspoons of mixed spice. I hope you're getting all this down. Two lemons, juice and rind of, so we take it all outside with all those handy graters. A large cooking apple, which my assistant has been cheerfully chopping before and dropping on the floor for added roughage. Uh, two tablespoonfuls of treacle to give it that lovely, unctuous, dark gooiness and colour. And six ounces of mixed cut peel. Everything which is good, everything which is makes you think of Christmas, I guess, uh, the best part of the year. And... Overseeing operations, as she has done for well all of my 50 years and a bit before that, is my mum, who's there sitting there. What have we lost? Nothing. 
Oh, oh great, over here. Hang on, just get that over here. That's a bit of a kitchen operations. Ah, there we go. And uh, there we go. A finer grating. Okay, this is the grating of the apple. So one apple's been chopped. We've got the fruit in the bowl. Apple's going in. Bit of lemon juice to stop it going too brown, but doesn't really matter because it's all going to be cooked up in any case. I'm going to get on with the breadcrumbs in a moment. Um, just before I check with my mum and say, this, this recipe was your mum's recipe. Yes, my mother's recipe. <clears throat> so I don't know how many years old it is. I've been using it in various quantities according to the number of people we've got for years, well, all my all, married life. And all my lifetime, all your married yes. life. So it's we've certainly that's, had the same pudding for 60-odd years. Yeah, that is. Incredible, really. And the, this recipe could well go back then to, well, maybe maybe it was your mum had it when she was a little girl, I wonder. Could it yes, go back 100 years? it could years? do from grandmother. Yeah. Very well go from the grandmother because uh, most of her recipes came from her mother. So, but this one has got to feed it 18, so yeah, exactly. hence the big bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it sounds a lot, and I've been reading out those ingredients, but there's going to be a lot of people having it, everything good. You wouldn't, as I say, eat a lot of it. You couldn't eat a lot of Christmas pudding because it's so rich with so many of these goodies in. I'll remind you of that on Christmas Day. Well, two helpings, perhaps, but no more than two helpings. And, uh, and of course, rum sauce. The essential accompaniment, we'll come to that a little later on. We won't be making it today, but we'll just touch on it. Um, well, yeah, there's dissent. There is dissent, and I'm sure those listening will have their own varieties. Some people like straight custard. Some people like straight cream. Some people like uh, southerners, softies, like clotted brandy. cream. Brandy cream is the biggest one. But brandy cream. We've always made rum cream. Proper, yeah, proper rum, rum sauce. sauce. Rum sauce. Which is basically a white sauce with rum. Plenty of rum in and a bit of sugar. And that's it. And that's it. Yeah, and thickened. Thickened to your own... Consistency. Consistency that you want. Yeah. And I have to tell you, it is delicious and is the perfect accompaniment. Don't listen to what the cream addicts will tell you. There is nothing to beat rum sauce with a proper homemade Christmas pudding. Because we always used to make brandy butter. Unless... You've got brandy butter. Do you I don't know how to make brandy butter? As far as I remember, it's unsalted butter, sugar and brandy. And you just mix it up to taste. Are you going to make some this year? Absolutely not. I'm going to have Devonshire clotted cream. Oh. Most Christmas um, recipes are simple ones. Yeah, the simple ones are straight, best. Straightforward, f- fruit and fat. But I just love the idea that this, this recipe goes back all my lifetime, all your lifetime, and possibly to when your mother was a little girl, so it could easily go back to the first part of the 20th century, perhaps even further if it was came from her mother. Uh, and we've used the same one every year, and I have to tell you, if there's a better one to be had, I've not tasted it. It is superb. And if I don't get the breadcrumbs done, it's not going to get done. I think the secret is in boiling it for a very long time. Yeah. That's certainly what makes it the dark colour. And the Guinness. And well, I don't put a lot of Guinness in. It's only well, en- enough Guinness in to moisture. Excellent. I'm not driving home then. <laughs> that's good. There's always that's the cook's perk on these things. You can you can get the slip of Guinness afterwards if you're good. And uh, but boiling up, yeah, because we used to put it on. You'd put it on overnight, wouldn't you? On the uh, oh, yes, I used to boil it all day, or all night. In those boilers, and it would just bubble away, and yeah, it's just bubbling. a gentle. Yeah. yeah. If you've got a slow cooker that can take it, it's fair enough. You can leave it on all night or all day, the whole day. So uh, Perfect. I think so. this year we might be trying the Argo. 
Yes, that's an idea. Okay. Right, I'd better get these breadcrumbs done, so stand by. Breadcrumbs coming up. If I can find out how to work the uh, food mixer. So here we go then. Bread in. And chocks away biffo. out and uh, this can go in. More bread. Lovely. It's fantastic and this large satellite dish is rapidly filling up. We've got all the fruit in there now. We've got the suet. A Taurus best but don't say I told you. Um, shredded suet which goes in. Uh, the breadcrumbs gone in now. The peel's gone in which my able assistant's been doing. Of two oranges. The lemon's gone in and we're uh, on to the wet stuff in a minute. Give it that lovely unctuous moistness. Christmas pud, or plum pudding as some still call it, goes a long way back, but you may not have recognised it in the 14th century. Its origins are in an old dish with the wonderful name of frumenti, a porridge-like dish whose exact ingredients are a little vague. It's widely held that it consisted of beef, mutton, raisins, currants and prunes, with wines and spices. But as the name frumenti probably came from the classical Latin frumentum, or corn in the most general sense, it seems likely that frumenti would include a grain such as wheat. It still exists in various forms today, but rather like the generic term curry, it can have a myriad of different ingredients. It seems the original frumenti, a sort of Christmas pudding soup if you can picture it, was more of a fasting meal than a calorie-rich blowout at the end of a large repast and was eaten in preparation for the Christmas festivities. Not a bad idea when you think of it, and now that the majority of us are fatties, perhaps we should adopt a similar concept. That said, I'm not convinced drinking liquid Christmas pudding in the lead-up to Christmas would be overly popular or indeed an effective way to purge your system. By the end of the 16th century, frumenti was becoming much more of a plum pudding. The meat was disappearing, although a token of it remains to this day in the inclusion of suet, and the dish was being thickened with eggs and breadcrumbs. More dried fruit was being added, the plum element, and beers, porters or spirits included for flavour. The plum pudding gradually became the Christmas dessert of choice and known widely as Christmas potage. But then, disaster. Cromwell banned it. The pudding was damned as being sinfully rich and the eating of it was described as a lewd custom. It was seen as being unfit for God-fearing people. One has visions of underground pudding clubs being raided by roundheads on Christmas Day, suspiciously sniffing the air for telltale traces of nutmeg or cinnamon before checking the lavatory system, curiously, as they were yet to be invented, for hidden wraps of sultanas. Although how you'd flush a Christmas pudding down the loo, I don't know. But perhaps I'm letting my imagination run away with me here. Fortunately, George I was a fan of the pud, and despite some reservations from the Quakers, it was restored to its rightful place on the Christmas table in 1714. Although it would be Victorian times, as is so true of many well-known items today, before it became readily identifiable as the Christmas pudding we know. 
The traditional lobe shape came from being wrapped in a cloth for steaming, a practice which has all but died out. It's now more likely to be basin-shaped. However, the great Fanny Craddock, one of the most massively popular TV chefs before anyone had heard of Delia and before Nadia was even born, I suspect, in her Christmas specials of the early 1970s, called for something of a renaissance of the roly-poly style pud. I want you to revive the round Christmas pud. You know how gorgeous it used to look on Christmas cards, old-fashioned ones, they're great big round Christmas pud with a bit of holly in the middle. But of course, in the days when we did it in this country, it was done in the old copper. I mean, you boiled the clothes all the week and on Christmas Day you boiled the pudding. But there isn't any copper, so I've done a sort of Emmett Heath Robinson invention of my own which anybody can copy. You take an ordinary sieve, it can be a large, small or medium, whichever you like, and you simply bend the handle upwards and it goes, because, I mean, we've been doing it for quite a long time. And then you stand it on something in a tall enough saucepan to take that height of handle. I'm using my steriliser, but it's not necessary, as long as it just clears the lid, you see? Now, I've used a base of a sliding base cake tin, sliding base out. I fit that in there, and then I call for help, and here comes Sarah, and I fit turkey with aluminium foil inside the basin. Sorry, darling, I can reach. And then wax papers inside that. And I said wax papers, and I've got to contradict myself, which I hate doing. They're ordinary oil bits of grease proof, and I'm stupid. There. Now, this mixture, of course, like everything else, is in the booklet. You'll hear all about that at the end of the programme, but it's that gorgeous one that I found in the vaults of Escoffiers some years ago, and you've all gone so mad about it that I can never be allowed to produce any other recipe for Christmas food anymore. It's all right, I scrubbed my hands before I started, but you can't cook without using your hands. Now, you see, you get enough in there to make the ball shape. And I think we're about there, don't you, Sarah? Just one more dollop, like that. This Christmas pudding mixture, thank you, my love, when you make it, is very loose with the ale and the various other things that you add in the way of liquid and the eggs, of course. But you are asked in the recipe, of course, to leave it overnight. And it has a very, very high preponderance of breadcrumbs and therefore is a much more easily digestible Christmas pudding. And it's very light but you'll be able to see the finished one, so you'll know with absolute confidence that it's rich and dark and yummy. Now, the bottom half, of course, is going to be perfect. The top half isn't, but as you switch that over at half-time and steam for the second half-time, the other way round, you see, simply take it out. I can do it for you if you like. You see, take it, there's the perfect half. And then you make that one perfect by banging it in the other way. You can do it from the start or you can do it later, whichever you like. Ten hours steaming, standing on another cake ring here. Then it's been left for several days, to make my point, and then steamed for four hours as you will steam it on the day. Now you start to unwrap. So, we lose all that little lot, and here comes the pudding. There are the butter papers that I put on the other one. I see there's one there that's come off some butter, so we don't want you to see any labels. That would be a shame and a disgrace. I pull the dish towards me, fold this well down here. Oh, it's hot. And it's over. And none of that business of prodding it out of a pudding basin. And look at the colour of it. And look at the richness. Ooh. 
And if there's a little bit of cheating in the kitchen and you've got clean hands, you're not absolutely satisfied with the shape, we'll do a bit of that. Now, the holly. This is in an old spud, because I found out that if you shove a piece, you see it somewhere, you're out for a drive or something, and you don't have a garden, and you see a lovely piece in somebody's, your side of the hedge, or by the side of the road, take it home, shove it in a spud, and it will last up to three weeks, and you know it's probably going to be another wildly expensive item this Christmas. Now, may I repeat, in case I haven't made my point strongly enough, Everything that I've spoken of, every single thing, is written down for you in the booklet. The times of the steaming, every single ingredient, how you make it in an ordinary pudding, pudding basin, and how you do it this way. I want to introduce you to my brandy butter. This is an ordinary little glass coupe that I've got to use for grapefruit or something like that. This is brandy butter coloured pale green, the recipes in the booklet. Study with little tiny economical scraps of angelica, glassy cherries, little bits of nut, and it's got a cellophane bow there. Now, when you make it, you can get this right out of the way, again, three weeks before Christmas. Because you then take another piece, which I couldn't put on, or you wouldn't have seen the brandy butter at all, tent it over and pull it in by the bow, and then put it in your fridge. Put it on the table, tent it, and then just cut through and open it out so it looks rather like a flower when you present it on Christmas night. And it looks lovely, and it tastes gorgeous. It's my favourite recipe. Everything's my favourite this year because I feel if they've been a success and they've been my friends and family's favourites, they'll be all right with you. I don't know whether the round pud caught on again at the time. If they did, I don't remember it. Suffice to say, you never seem to see a round one these days. And bright green brandy butter. You have to remember, this was the early 70s when Fanny was at her peak in making these dishes, when food in general was, well, somewhat more gaudy compared to how we like things today. Bright green glacé sherries, lots of piped cream. If something looked unduly naturalistic, then it was the cook's job to tart it up with lots of artificial frippery. Tastes change, as they say. However, if something is a classic, like my mum's hundred-year-old plus pudding recipe, it will, I like to think, endure through the ages. Wonderful. So that's the uh, six beaten eggs gone into the main bowl, which just leaves my favourite bit, the Guinness going in at the end. Meanwhile, chief uh, mum in the corner there, we have this fantastic, wonderful ceramic pudding bowl, which is uh, as big as my head, and uh, that's just been greased that's with me. a bit of... Uh, thank you. And a little piece at the bottom to make it easier to take out. Right, so that's been greased with a bit of lard. Next thing is your Guinness. Guinness. This is the best bit. Right. So Guinness going in, so we don't need all this can. And of course, whenever you make your Christmas pudding, be it on stirrup Sunday or other days, the important thing to do is to let everyone have a stir. And make a wish. And make a wish. Are you having a wish? Not yet. Ah, bliss. The smell of Christmas, I assure you. I can hear that sticky that is. Now, if I were Nigella, I'd now be making fantastic faces at the camera and licking my lips and saying, ooh, I do like a sticky one. So, what about those names? Best known as Christmas pudding today, of course, but plum pudding, plum duff, figgy pudding? Beth, a regular in the pudding club herself, can explain. The various names are roughly interchangeable. 
The name plum pudding, as we have seen, was used for any pudding which contained dried fruit, as in the 17th century. Plums referred, in essence, to raisins and their ilk. To add confusion, around the same time the word prune will be used to describe the fruit plum that we know today, coming as it does from the Latin pruna, corrupted in Germanic languages, to plumber. Plumduff is a slightly different beast, being in essence a suet pudding with some added dry fruit. It was eaten at other times of the year and was an altogether plainer affair. The name is thought to originate from an incorrect pronunciation of the word dough. Figgy pudding, which I'm sure you know we all like, or so the song goes, is a close relative and also contained, you will be amazed to hear, dried figs. This is a traditional Yorkshire delicacy, but it seems highly likely that the original figgy pudding was just a straight plum pudding eaten at Christmas. In Cornwall, figgy still means raisins. So now you know. What about that custom of making a wish when you stir up the pudding? Well, that seems as old as the hills. I still do it to this day. I'm in good company. What, do you have a big tradition? Is there a, something that you do specifically every year for, for the holidays? We do have a fun thing, actually, that, uh, in fact, we just did the other day, my sisters and myself. So we make something called Christmas pudding, which is, mm. you know... This is, these, are the, these are the official hands of Christmas pudding. Are they? Okay, so... Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> um, so, so we, do, we do make Christmas pudding. And, you, you know, it's nuts and dried fruits and really yummy things. And you, you make it and it kind of ferments and does its thing for a few weeks before Christmas. And, right. and what we do in our family, actually, is all the children take a big wooden spoon and they get to stir and they make a wish. Oh. And so we actually just all did that the other day. It was really lovely. And yeah. there's, there, there, are, there are seven, eight cousins. Eight oh, cousins. How so nice. all the kids, you know, ranging from three months old to 17 years old. So you're so lucky that you're getting to raise them all together. Yeah. And so we, nice. We really are lucky. It's, yeah, yeah. it's really fantastic, actually. Kate Winslet, also a happy member of the Pudding Club, it seems, and continuing that wishing tradition with her kids, always good to hear. Now, take things back another, ooh, I don't know, 90-odd years... And the star of her day, now largely forgotten, was also getting into the club. Alice Delicia was a French actress and singer who made her career in English musical theatre in the very early parts of the 20th century. After performing in the chorus at the Moulin Rouge and other theatres in Paris from the age of 14, she got her big break in 1913 when she was offered a leading role in a review presented by the impresario C.B. Cochrane. The show was a hit, it established... Delicia as a star. During World War I, she starred in a string of West End reviews and operetta, all of which just made her even bigger. Here she is in 1929, helping the head chef of the great liner Berengaria make the pudding for the ship's passengers. Good beef suet. Mm, I'm sure it's the best. What comes next? Well, the sultanas. <laughs> this is all spice. And that, that's a little ginger. Ginger? Just a little. Mm -hmm. Very little, right? Very little. And a little salt. Mm -hmm. What about that? All right, sir, that goes in last. Yeah. The best in last, huh? <laughs> a few mm -hmm. breadcrumbs. A little bread to make the pudding light. Oh, well, let me do that, I love that. <laughs> Lovely. That's the lamp. Now, 
Monsieur will stand, madam, while the beer goes in. All right, good. Now, we're going to take for that. In an English beer. Let's take water. Must I mix it like that? Yes. Oh, no, this is good beer. You don't put much. Oh, yes, plenty of beer. <laughs> Christmas time, you know. <laughs> is that all right, Lassie? Yes, all right, like that. I'll turn it the other way. Oh, the other way? Oh, I shall be tired. <laughs> now, be careful what you're going to say now. Is it? I'm sure it is. Well, I bet I, bet I have a bit, too. Thank you. It's delicious. Ah, <laughs> oh, plenty of beer. It's Christmas time, you know. Good to hear some things never change. That's about it. A basin-sized portion of one of the greatest parts of the Christmas table. I hope you had your fill yesterday. We'll have some more today, perhaps fried in butter, stirred into ice cream, just reheated in the micro, whatever you fancy. And don't forget, if you have a spare, a good pud will easily keep a year. It is the greatest of puds. All together now. Now with Christmas coming, let's make lovely things to eat. So it's there to welcome friends and give a very special treat. There's one particular item that I know that always adds that very special Christmas glow. One, two, one, two, three. Christmas pudding, Christmas pudding. Oh, it's really rich and nice. Full of raisins, fruit and spice from a recipe that Grandma used to know And the list of what we put in seemed to grow, grow, grow 